Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, September the 16th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year C, proper week 20, which is the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Friday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the gospel passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. In this week of the church's calendar year, and so we find ourselves back in the Gospel of Luke because we're going to be here a while, and it's the longest of the Gospels, and there's plenty to share. Luke 16, verses 1 through 13, the interesting parable and related teachings from Jesus in this passage. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning and when I rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who was informed of accusations that his manager was wasting his assets. So he called the manager in and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your administration, because you can no longer be my manager. Then the manager said to himself, What should I do, since my master is taking my position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I'm put out of management, people will welcome me into their homes. So he contacted his master's debtors one by one. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? The man replied, 100 measures of olive oil. The manager said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe me? The second man replied, 100 measures of wheat. The manager said to him, Take your bill and write 80. The master committed the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their contemporaries than the people of the light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by how you use worldly wealth, so that when it runs out, you'll be welcome into the eternal homes. The one who is faithful with very little is also faithful with much. The one who's dishonest with very little is also dishonest and with much. If then you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have haven't been worthy to or been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the Word of God for us. So if you're looking for a new hobby, let me give you a suggestion that you should uh, give yourself to the study of comparing the Synoptic Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are Synoptic Gospels officially because we're supposed to see them together side by side. They more or less have the same timeline. They have many of the similar stories. John is kind of unique from the rest of them. The one story that um, links John with the rest of them is the feeding of the 5,000 and then some of the events around the crucifixion and resurrection. But uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, we know, are somehow, you can compare them together. And it's fun to see where they are similar and to also recognize where they are unique. And there is this great big theory out there in this comparative study called the Markin Priority, which suggests that Mark was written first and that Matthew 
and Luke use Mark, but then they also have their own sources. And there's a couple, there's a few things in which Matthew and Luke have things that Mark doesn't have. So they imagine that there's a source that they commonly use together. I mean, if I haven't bored you to bits by now, um, I'll try to stop myself so I don't do that. But um, what's interesting about this passage is that this is a story only in Luke, the first eight verses of it, this a parable of the shrewd manager, sometimes it's called, or the dishonest manager, whatever. And then you've got these other teachings about what we do with money attached to the, to the end of it, right? Okay, so we know that there's a clue that, um, that Luke is doing something unique here because if you look at verse 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That should be a familiar saying of Jesus because it's also in Matthew chapter 6, which is the Sermon on the Mount. So Luke has a lot of the Sermon on the Mount, but he's got it in the Sermon on the Plain. There are some things that Matthew has in that great big sermon that Luke does not, but it's kind of scattered in other parts of his gospel. So what am I getting at? I'm getting at simply this. There is a story, a parable of Jesus that has to do with the management of money and how it's used, verses 1 through 8. And then Luke also stacks some teachings of Jesus at the end of it because some scholars suggest that uh, this story that Jesus tells in uh, Luke 16 1 through 8a may be different than uh, an occasion where Jesus is talking about how to use wealth uh, because the story in and of itself is interesting um, I wish that when I rise could extend longer than 10 minutes a day because we might be able to go into the longer hand version of it if you like that side of the story, maybe you and I can get some coffee or a Zoom call sometime if you're outside of the mean streets of the city of Wichita. Um, but all I'd say is that Jesus talked about money and he talked about ways in which we use money, how we store it, how we save it, um, how we should be generous with it. But here Jesus has got some interesting teachings. On, like We're going to be in the midst of a watching world where our values don't match their values and there's going to be a chance where we can use our money and leverage friendship because of it. And I think I say that because of this. Um, Christians have a unique perspective on what to do with our money. Okay, It's not to say that other people with and without faith could not have the same values as Christians have. But from the very beginning, Christians have trended towards the, size, uh, toward, towards the side of being generous or opportunistic with their wealth instead of stingy and hoarding of their wealth, okay? So there's this great uh, line that John Tyson has, and just to give you a disclaimer, if there's kids in the car, you know, younger than a certain age, you might like to kind of turn it down here for a second, but um, so Larry Hurtado who studies the first uh, four centuries of the church expansion and John Tyson, um, they say that uh, Christians were unique, they're different than the Ro- uh, Greco-Roman Empire. Greco-Romans were uh, very promiscuous with their bodies, but they were stingy with their money. But Christians, they say, were stingy with their bodies, but promiscuous with their wallets. And John Tyson, the ever-great preacher and communicator, says that uh, early Christians just couldn't seem to keep their wallets in their pants, right? Uh, They loved to give and to spend, and there were certain rules and certain guidelines how to spend their money. We look at that a source called the Didache, which is called the Teaching, what is probably second century discipleship manual. It talked about like any time they got money, like they would have to give ten percent of it away. Anything like of material goods, they would give like ten percent of it away. So imagine like opening a bag of Doritos 
just saying, okay, I got to give 10% of this away. So you like go to your next door neighbor's house, you know, just give them a bowl of Doritos or like they just, they, they assumed that whatever they received, all of it wasn't theirs, that it was going elsewhere. It was going to God. It was going to the needs around them. And so Jesus has a unique perspective here. He says, actually, it's good to use material wealth to make friends. Now he's not saying to spend your money with ulterior motives. He's not saying um, to be, I don't know, somehow overly clever with our resources. But uh, there are times Jesus knows that there's an undulation of riches or material good in our life. There are times we have plenty and there are times we don't have a lot. And during those seasons when you have plenty, it's good to go ahead and give and to give without reservation. Because in those seasons when we're, we have less and we have lack, um, there will be people who remember that we were generous to them during their time of lack and they'll want to do something for us. Now, is this to like have ulterior motives with our friendships? No. Jesus is in a culture where gifts were not given without strings attached. Uh, you gave to make bonds with people. And so it was just understood that the Christians would have many different deep, profound bonds with people because they gave all the time. And therefore, during times of famine, people sense that there was an obligation to help them as well. This happens even in the book of Romans, right? Uh, Paul, as he's writing to a mainly Gentile, but sometimes a Jewish and a Gentile community like the, the churches in Rome, he said that we need to take up a collection for the people who are struggling in famine in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, because you owe them. Like you would not have a faith if it wasn't for their early work. And so why don't you give back to them because they so richly gave to you. So the teachings of Jesus here, they just simply remind us that our all of our life, <coughs> excuse me, all of our life, not just our prayer life and not just our work life, but even our resource allocation life has an opportunity to uh, bear witness to Jesus, right? If we are stingy, people will assume that our ideology comes from a very stingy place. That we have a belief about the world that there is not enough in this world. Therefore, whoever's running this world is not good to everybody, right? But if we freely give as we've been freely given to, then people will conclude that we have a value system to suggest that the one who runs the world is so generous that his resources are brimming over the top. It's super abundant, right? So there's an opportunity for us to actually bear witness to who God is by being more free with our resources. So here we're heading into the weekend and we're going to be hanging out with friends and maybe we're like together at a, a, a you know, a table eating dinner together. Um, wh- why don't we threaten to pick up the tab for everybody, right? Um, if we're bringing snacks to the, the soccer game, like what if we have like two or three coolers full? And uh, those kids who've just earned a snack after the game, like they get to go home with like several things in their arms, right? And their parents are actually kind of giving you like the side-eye Chloe look because that's way too much sugar for my kid to eat, right? Who cares? Let's live with zest, right? Let's bring the ruckus. Let's bring the party to this world. And we do so. We pave the way for that by being richly generous, developing bonds of community, through generosity. All right, I've ran way over my time today, but I think this is a good theme to talk about. So with all those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we declare that you are good today, that this world is brimming with goodness and blessing because 
You're the one who has the controls. You control this world. We thank you that uh, food is consumed, but then it's planted, and then more is on the table today. Now, we understand and know that the world is broken still, but uh, we believe that you're the creator of it. We believe that you've called us into community so that we can steward the good resources of your good world to the ends of the earth. God, sometimes we confess to you that at times uh, we hoard things to ourselves. We, we keep it to ourselves instead of sharing it with others. And we know uh, that when that is compounded life upon life and thousands upon thousands, that uh, some go without. So forgive us for being so worried about tomorrow that we don't meet the needs of today. We do thank you for the opportunity to allow uh, bonds of unity and community to be paved by generosity. And so this day, as we think about our lives and we think about our friendships and our relationships and our families and our workplaces, that we can nourish those by sharing and by being generous. And so God, we pray that you'd stoke our imaginations, that you give us opportunities. And we do pray that you would bond us together with people around us by freely giving them as you have freely given to us. So God, we just pray that you'd help us in this endeavor. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.